Welcome back to the Learning to Change podcast, where we explore the transformative power of the modern learner's lens and put the focus on learning. I'm your host, Melissa Emler, and today we're embarking on a journey into the future, the future of how we approach learning. In an ever-changing world, the concept of schooling and education and professional development is undergoing a remarkable transformation. It's no longer confined to classrooms or hotel conference rooms or textbooks. Instead, it thrives at the fascinating crossroads of community, events, and content. As we delve into this topic, we'll explore how these three elements converge to redefine how and where we learn. But what does this mean for you as a learner? That's the other half of our conversation today. We'll discuss the learner's path to success, which involves a purposeful commitment to learning, an open heart to listen and understand others' experiences, and a willingness to experiment and reflect within your own context. Then, importantly, it's about sharing your insights, contributing to the collective knowledge and learning from the community. In essence, the learner's path is a cycle of learning, applying, reflecting, and sharing, an ongoing process that supports continuous growth and adaptation in our rapidly changing world. It's not merely about knowledge acquisition, but knowledge application and contribution. So buckle up as we traverse through the future of learning and the learner's path to success and discover how you can flourish in this evolving landscape. Welcome to this exciting episode of Learning to Change. Let's dive in. I see lots of headlines about the future of work on the front pages of our newspapers. The covers of magazines, on the end caps of grocery store aisles, feature companies who just went all in on forever work from home policies, or sometimes those who are saying, you have to come back now. Email subject lines feature interviews with startup founders who are looking for talent outside of Silicon Valley. A quick Amazon search of titles related to the future of work features a PBS documentary available on Prime, as well as an endless number of books on the future of work, with publication dates ranging from long before the pandemic to as recent as April of 2023. The future of work is a major topic of conversation. And a conversation on the future of work without a simultaneous conversation on the future of learning misses the mark. Professional development needs an update. It's time to level up training and development and finally put the focus on learning. At Modern Learners, being focused on learning is central to our existence. We've supported hundreds of schools around the world in building strong cultures of learning. We've even ventured into some corporate conversations about learning. The forthcoming thoughts are not about the future of school or the culture of education. We have seen our principles and our frameworks expand outside of education because the concept of learning can be more universally applied. We define learning as wanting to learn more. 
Are you inspiring your employees, your students, your event attendees, or your members to learn more? If you don't know, keep listening. We'll explore the sense we are making of modern learning in a post-pandemic era and the impact learning will have on the future of work. Modern learning consists of three components. The independent pieces will become increasingly more interdependent as we move into the post-pandemic era. The components are a community, which is a group of people wanting to learn more and connect with others. Content, which is information made available in a variety of sources and in a variety of mediums that will serve as an anchor for the learning. And events, gathering of people committed to learning more online, in person, or both. Learning organizations understand the importance of combining community, content, and events in order to build a strong culture of learning inside learning organizations. Peter Senge defined what a learning organization is in his book, The Fifth Discipline, The Art and Practice of Learning Organizations. He stated, a learning organization is one where people continually expand their capacity to create the results they truly desire, where new and expansive patterns of thinking are nurtured, where collective aspiration is set free, and where people are continually learning to see the whole together. Learning organizations grow and develop their organization by nurturing their people. As a result, they are better positioned to innovate, remain competitive, and have strong relationships among the people in the organization. The components, community, events, and content cannot stand alone. In a pre-pandemic era, the components of training and development could stand alone. In fact, they often did stand alone. But if the goal is to embrace being a learning organization in a post-pandemic era, they can't. During the pandemic, people in every industry were faced with a barrage of offers for free events and online courses. At first, we dove right in because they had a need to upskill really fast. Now, heading into the third year of the pandemic or even the fourth year of the pandemic, people are tired. Screen fatigue is real. Making sense of the one-off events is complicated. And the logins for those online courses remain tucked safely away in the email inbox, never to be seen again. And more than anything, people are craving connection and a sense of community. If organizations want to get a return on their investment of learning, the components must be seen as interdependent parts of the whole. When making decisions about professional learning opportunities, people must understand the best experiences will contain all three components, community, content, and events. The ones that don't contain all three components can be left unopened in your inbox. This is the problem when components stand alone. It's not until one experiences the synergy of the components working together in tandem to create joyful learning experiences can one see the problems each component faces on its own. Content alone 
amounts to commissioned blog posts and highly produced video content placed in a fancy online course that is held in a super sleek learning management system, those are great. Usually, they have high-quality graphics, video animations, and high-quality sound. Here's the issue. No one uses the content. Unless it's compliance training like bloodborne pathogens or email phishing alert videos, no one is spending enough time in the content to have an impact. Sure, there is access, but access without use yields no benefit. When community stands alone, people find themselves in a group with other like-minded people. When that happens, it feels really good and really exciting. They feel like they finally belong. But at some point, they realize there's no direction for the conversation. There's nothing to make sense of. And this community feels like a really loud echo chamber of people saying the same thing. Over and over and over again. Churn is high. People regularly outgrow the community. When events stand alone, there's a once a year cadence of the industry leading events proven to be overwhelming with too much content, too many people, and maybe even too much alcohol. Cramming everything into two or three days because the organization won't connect with members until next year. Since the pandemic, we've seen more one-hour events than ever before. In both cases, the annual event or the one-hour webinar, the events tend to serve the organization more than the attendees. Sure, event organizers wanted attendees to have a great experience. Happy attendees come back and bring friends. The purpose of the event was to recruit new or retain old customers. The goal of the event, when it stands alone, is often marketing. The goal was not learning. The best examples of modern learning will occur when community, content, and events work together to create a joyful learning experience absent of rigid location restraints and timeframes. Learning has no end. When developing the organization's future learning plan, it is imperative not to leave a single component out. This is what happens. If you have events and content but no community, you have no sense-making. The learning experience will lack clarity and community. The community forms as people strive to make sense of the learning together. Sense is made through community conversations about the content at events. If you have community and events with no content, there is no purpose. Take out the content of the equation and there ends up being no common purpose to be in the community or at the events. There's no direction. There's nothing to make sense of in the community conversations at events. Finally, if you have community and content but no events, there's no urgency to engage. Without events, people have no urgency to engage. There's no starting point or opportunity to recommit to the learning. 
Connection happens at a deeper level when it is multisensory and multimodal. Hearing voices and seeing facial expressions deepen the connection, and the deeper the connection, the stronger the community. Our team at Modern Learners has figured out how to support organizations in designing and executing the future of learning plans. Imagine having a critical friend supporting you in thinking through community content and events. Imagine having a critical friend who knows technology tools to support your future of learning plans. We are that critical friend. That's what we do at Modern Learners. We support organizations in bringing all three of these interdependent parts together. We help organizations learn. And when organizations learn, so do their people. And that brings us to the next piece of the future of learning. And it revolves around the path to agency and impact for the learner. I often ask people about the impact of their most recent professional learning experience. Then I ask them to describe the most impactful learning experience they have ever had. The dialogue that ensues is lively and filled with smiles and often laughter. However, when asked how often people experience impactful learning, the smiles fade and the grumbling begins. Professional learning is not often synonymous with impactful, but we can change that. When we think about the future of learning, we emphasize the necessity of community content and events becoming interdependent. All of that is true, and the designers of learning experiences should definitely design experiences with those interdependencies at the base of the design. Consideration for the learner must also be at the base of the design. When designing learning experiences, learners must have the opportunity to determine a personally meaningful goal for the learning experience. Absent of the personally meaningful goal, professional learning experiences are in danger of becoming a list of activities to do and a list of boxes to be checked. But if learning designers do not anticipate the learning path of the human, the design becomes focused on the list of activities for people to do. People calling truth to bullshit quickly point out how ridiculous the checklist approach to learning is. Just because you've checked the box doesn't mean the lesson has been learned. Often, the purpose is lost in one's desire to check the boxes. People want to have agency over their learning. What does that mean exactly? When asked that question, I typically turn to Albert Bandura's social cognitive theory. In social cognitive theory, Bandura claims that the four core features of human agency are intentionality, forethought, self-reactiveness, and self-reflectiveness. He also recognizes three separate types of agency, personal agency, which is exercised individually and the learner has direct control, proxy, where the learner acts through others, and collective agency, where the learners sharing common beliefs act as a group to produce effects by collective action. We'll examine the core features of agency as we explore the professional learning's path to agency and impact. As we deepen our understanding of the core features of agency, 
will also be able to recognize how a learner flows in and out of the types of agency. Being personally directed, then allowing others to act for us as we seek clarity needed to act on our own. And then finally, sharing a set of common beliefs and moving towards collective action. Those who have worked closely with me have been on one of my coaching calls, have undoubtedly heard me say, I'm not asking you to change. I'm asking you to learn. Change is born through learning. As I describe the path to impact, the text enumeration will lead readers to believe that there is an order or a linear passage through the phases. That's not my intention. The phases enumeration are simply used to support your ability to conceptualize the learner's journey and the path to agency and impact. Passing through each phase is not a prerequisite for the next phase. Learners can find themselves in any phase at any time. The time needed to move from one phase to the next varies based on the learner's goals. The degree to which the learning experiences have an impact depends on the number of learners being on the same path to impact together. It is when learners within our organizations are larger and larger societal systems find their way to the collective agency that they begin the collective process of learning that leads to meaningful systems change. So phase one is intentionality and social consumption. Social media networks are built by connecting with people who have shared interests. Paying attention and building social networks with care and intention leads to a wealth of knowledge and insight that undoubtedly shapes the people we are. The quality of our social networks matter. Harold Jarsh, a leader in organizational learning, has this to say about the power of social networks. They help create networks of multi-way trust to share ideas, advice, and feelings between people who care. Social networks have been shown to be the principal way that learning spreads in organizations. The actions to take in this phase are to curate and filter your network based on what you want to know or learn. Please don't leave the filtering up to the algorithms of the social network. Use your human discretion to filter in a way that more accurately meets your needs and reduces the noise. Create networks by being mindful of diversity in perspective too. The next action to take is to read, listen, or watch content shared or discussed in your network. This action requires actually clicking from the feed into the content and spending time taking the content in, reacting or responding to images and titles without actually consuming the content adds nothing useful to the discussion. Phase two is the forethought. This is your commitment to learning more. When social networks have human filters applied, people find lots of learning opportunities. Consuming content in the feed often leads to finding new people or communities to add to the social network. In this phase, people often feel the need to engage with the content or the content creator. At that moment, someone leaves a comment or takes a step to join a group or community discussing the topic, a commitment to learning more has been made. And once one commits to learning more, 
and sets a personally meaningful goal, learning has begun. In this phase, you can take these actions. You can leave a comment on the content. This will get the attention of the creator and others consuming the content, and that attention could lead to further conversation. You can set a personally meaningful goal about what you want to learn and why it's important to you. And you can join a group or a community of practice where conversations happen and trust is strong. Communities of practice are safe, trusting environments where ideas will grow, evolve, and prosper. Phase three, sense-making. Listen and respond in community of practice conversations. Joining a community of practice will provide a learner with several opportunities to engage in conversation. Listening, questioning, and responding to people as they share their experience with a specific problem or concern will lead to sense-making, and that sense-making may very well impact the way you think about a problem in your own practice. Clarity is found in conversations. Clarity is really important. The importance of clarity cannot be overemphasized. It is the clarity that one finds in a community of practice that will be the impetus for changing one's practice. Actions to take in this phase include listening with intent to understand, not to respond. Asking clarifying questions tied to a cognitive practice to move the thinking forward. Cognitive practices include description, compare and contrast, categorization, sequencing, cause and effect, part to whole, and creating an analogy. Finally, you can summarize the clarity related to one person's specific experience into something generalizable for the community. Phase four, self-reactiveness, practice with your work teams. Harold Jars writes about communities of practice often, and he claims that it's a community of practice if it changes people's practices. The only way to know if it changes practices is to take the clarity gained and put it into action with your work teams from your own organization. Do something with what you have learned. If you don't do something, you won't have anything to reflect on and refine. Actions to take in phase four include creating a plan of action for your work team or organization, the team in your own local context. And do the action you intended to do in the timeline you intended to do it. Finally, phase five, self-reflectiveness. Share your experience in conversations. Conversations in communities of practice are powered by the experiences of the community. It is important that the people share their experiences with the community in order to support others on their journey to finding their own clarity in their own practice. There will never be a one-size-fits-all solution, but a lot can be learned from the experiences that have been shaped by the community. This is the phase that continues to make the community of practice valuable to the members of the community. People's experiences are inherently different, so the clarity and the learning are forever ongoing. Actions you can take in phase five include reflecting on the actions you took in your own local context. Spend some time thinking about what you experienced. Share the experience from your local context with your community of practice. Answer questions from the community. Listen for feedback. Refine the action. And 
Share with your social network when you are ready. The learner decides the extent of the impact on learning. Yes, that's right. The learner decides if the learning is impactful or not. The biggest issue organizations face in designing professional learning is believing the organization has control over what is learned by the people. This is a challenge for the organization because the organization has a predetermined idea of what needs to be learned. In my experience, the impact of professional learning is determined by the reaction and response of the people. Instead of creating slides aimed to deliver information, spend time figuring out what questions need to be asked. Instead of making a list of activities or a list of boxes to be checked, schedule some time for conversations around the questions. Here's the bottom line. If the learners check out, the organization loses and the people don't notice or care. If the learners check in, everyone wins. Organizations that figure out how to invite the learners to the learning and create the conditions for the people to have agency in the learning process have a better chance of having an impact on learning. What will you do to create the conditions for learning? We hope that our exploration of the future of learning and the learner's path to success has provided you with valuable insights to guide your personal and professional growth journey. Remember, learning is an ongoing process that requires commitment, curiosity, and a spirit of exploration. In this rapidly evolving world, staying open to new experiences, actively seeking knowledge, and making sense of it, and embracing the wisdom of others is more important than ever. Never stop experimenting in your own context, reflecting on your findings, and sharing your insights with the community. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and always focus on the learning. Thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to continuing this journey of discovery together. Thank you for joining me today on the Learning to Change podcast. I hope you found our discussion insightful and inspiring. As we continue to explore the power of learning and its impact on change, remember that it's not about pushing yourself or others to change, but about embracing the process of learning. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. If you're ready to take your learning journey to the next level or bring about a culture of learning in your organization, join us in our free Modern Learners community. We are here to help you navigate the challenges and celebrate the successes that come with embracing learning and change. Simply go to modernlearners.community and join us today. You'll find all the resources from today's show in there. Until next time, stay curious and remember, I'm not asking you to change, I'm asking you to learn. Learning to Change is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Lou Blaser. Marty Seafelt edits our episodes. Our production assistant is Emily Kilduff. And Sean McMullen is our executive producer. Learning to Change is recorded on the stolen land of the Sauk and Fox tribes, the Miami Nation, the Osati, Shakawi, Sioux, Ho-Chunk, and Kickapoo peoples.